This is the Transcend Human Podcast, a weekly show where we learn what it means to rise above the human condition. We hope the conversation today is just what you need for the week ahead. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to the Transcend Human Podcast. It is great to have you with us here on a bright and sunny Monday morning here in Southern California. It is June 27th, 2022. All right. Like I said, welcome back. Great to have you here this week. Um, I am kind of changing things up last minute. So you're either going to be really happy that you showed up or you're going to be disappointed. Um, Last week, I know that I said our topic was going to be transcending the dark. Um, But if you're not completely out of touch with reality, you know that something monumental happened this week in our country. So don't worry, we'll get back to transcending the dark soon. Uh, But the events of this week literally just caught me off guard. And I think I think most of the country uh, has been caught off guard this week because of um, what we're going to talk about today. And I just felt this prompting this week to discuss it. So we'll get into that here in a minute. Um, But before that, here's what I'd like to do. I'd like you to get comfortable, whatever that means to you. Put on some sweatpants, yoga pants, comfy shorts, whatever works for you. Next, grab something to drink. Uh, I recommend coffee or a latte or something something like that, something warm that'll help calm your nerves. And then finally, find a nice, comfortable place where you can finish listening to this episode. If none of these things are possible, like if you're in a car driving or if you're multitasking, here's my recommendation. I recommended that you just stop right now. Go about your day, go about your business, do your thing, complete your drive, whatever it is you need to do, just continue to do that. And then come back later when when you can get comfortable, when you can sit down, when you can really fully be available um, to to listen to this episode. I I would recommend you do that, okay? Because this is going to be a tough conversation. It may be triggering for some of you. It might make you angry. But at the same time, uh, it might make some of you go, huh, I never thought about it that way before. So if everybody's ready, um, let's start with the minute of transparency. And I'm going to call this pulling back the curtain. So instead of telling you a personal story or some transparent story about myself, I thought it would be good to just pull back the curtain a bit and explain why this week's episode is so insane. Simply put, never in a million years did I think I would record an episode on something as divisive as Roe v. Wade. Uh, And here's just a few of the reasons why. When I look back on my life, uh, here's some of the things that I think may have impacted that within me. First up, I grew up a very traditional Christian, right? In a very traditional Christian home uh, where there may have been some strongly held beliefs about things like this. However, I don't remember them being topics of conversation, not around the dinner table, not late at night. Um, You know, 
here and there, we may have had small one-off conversations that included these types of conversations, but it was not an ongoing dialogue, to be sure. Next, my parents were Canadian citizens, transplanted to the United States, so they didn't vote. They, didn't, they weren't a part of the political system in the U.S. And because of that, we rarely discussed politics. And I don't ever really remember them having conversations about what side of the aisle they were on. Or um, I, I never heard them badmouth people in this country for being on a certain side of the aisle or the other. Next, I graduated with my MSW. I graduated with a master's degree in social work from a conservative Christian university. But the degree itself suggests a slightly more liberal agenda, right? Now, if that's confusing to you, think about how confusing that may have been for me. And my guess is that this back and forth between both sides of the aisle created within me this like neutrality of sorts. I became Switzerland on many things, probably because I didn't want to rock the boat. And because as a social worker, I didn't want to be one of those people who alienated others. Then fast forward to 2020. And this little idea that started percolating in my brain called the Transcend Human Podcast. Now, for those of you who've been around since the beginning, you should understand that neutrality usually shines through, right? I'm unapologetically Christian, but I don't want to do anything or say anything that's offensive to the majority of the people in this country, right? That will tell a person that they don't belong or that their beliefs aren't welcome. Next throw in the pandemic, and that only solidified my position, right? Steering clear of the polarization that COVID caused and the 2020 elections and all of those things, and simply trying to be a voice for those of us in the middle, people who love this country, but who also love people with the same or greater intensity. Because at the end of the day, this is where I feel the most at peace, when I'm looking at the world around me through the filter of love, love for everybody. So there you go. Based on that backstory, based on pulling back the curtain, um, you can see how this topic should never have made it to the podcast, right? And yet when the news came down this Friday uh, that Roe v. Wade had been overturned, it was literally all I could think about, all my mind could focus on. I kept working on the episode called Transcending the Dark, but I just couldn't do it. I was blocked. My mind was literally having a hard time focusing on the whole point behind that episode and what I was trying to say. So I sat with that for a day or two, and eventually I realized that my writer's block may have been a sign. My brain was literally telling me to stop, that it wasn't the right episode to release this week. My mind, or dare I say my conscience, was pushing me toward a different topic, the one that scared me a lot, but wouldn't seem to leave me alone. So here we are. Today's topic, Transcending Roe v. Wade. I broke this into four sections. The first, my personal belief. Second, your body, your choice. Third, separation of church and state. And we'll wrap things up with silence is complicity. Number one, my personal beliefs. So when it comes down to it, I think the thing that scares me the most about this episode 
um, is being transparent about my own beliefs about abortion, right? How I feel about abortion, mainly because there is no winning in this game, right? In, in other words, if I were to come out as pro-choice, I piss off half the country. And if I come out as pro-life, I piss off the other half of the country. There really is no winning in this game when you look at it that way. But like I said, I tend to be very neutral on controversial things. So when I explain which way I lean, um, it's leaning from the center, if you will. And as we talk more about that in, later in the episode, it's it's literally leaning in a direction not based on abortion, but something far more invasive, far more dangerous. Uh, and like I said, we'll talk more about that later. So let me just start this way. First and foremost, I am not a fan of abortion any more than I'm a fan of divorce, right? Both exist, but that doesn't mean that I enjoy them or I think that they are a good thing. I, I hate the division that it causes in our country. I hate it when people act like there's no big deal. Um, I don't know the numbers or the data, you know, what percentage of people get abortions for what reason. Um, but if, if the data showed that a lot of people were using abortion as just a after-the-fact form of birth control, I wouldn't be a fan of that either. Um, I hate the fact that some women may feel pressured into getting abortions, sometimes even teenage moms. Um, I hate that some women get abortions and then spend the rest of their lives feeling shame or guilt about it. And I hate that abortion is used by political parties to control people and secure votes. Now, after hearing me make those statements, you probably just assume that I'm pro-life, right? I mean, not all of my statements were pro-life statements, but I'm sure that some of them come across that way. So yes, I have a lot in common with people who say they're pro-life. And I'm also a sucker for feel-good stories, right? You know the type, stories where the poor kid becomes rich or the injured player comes back to win the game you know, underdog stuff. And it's no different for me when it comes to abortion or non-abortion stories. Every now and then you hear a story like this, right? A, a young mother gets pregnant. The father wants nothing to do with her, but the mother makes the hard choice to keep her baby. And even though she knows it would be so much easier just to have an abortion, she has the child. She raises the child and eventually that child grows up to become great. A star athlete, a CEO of a large company, U.S. Senator, whatever the case, right? Now that's cheesy, I know. But at the same time, I know that those stories exist and I love that. I love that outcome when a person chooses not to get an abortion and then this great thing happens because of it. But after saying all of that, I have to admit that I've led you on just a little bit because I really went down that pro-life path with gusto, right? As if that was my main thing. But here's the problem. I also lean pro-choice. And if I'm honest, I lean pretty hard in that direction. But maybe not for the reasons you think. Number two, your body, your choice. So there are two very big reasons why I lean pro-choice. This one and the second one, which we'll talk about later. The first reason can be summarized with the phrase, your body, your choice. The whole idea that a person should have the right to make decisions about their own body 
and what's going on with it. Of course, with abortion, it gets complicated, right? Because one side believes that a pregnant female is no different than a non-pregnant female. It's her body, so it's her choice. And the other side will say something different, right? Like that thing growing inside of you is another life, which means technically your choice is not only your choice, but it's a choice being made for another person. And therein lies the polarization. I get that. It's all a matter of perspective, how you define what pregnancy is, when it starts, all of those things. But for me, it's really less about proving whether or not the baby is a living being or a viable human being. And it's really more about the choice itself. Because at the end of the day, one side respects the woman's freedom of choice and the other wants to take that freedom away. And for me, this just isn't a hard decision. As a citizen of the United States of America, I believe that the Declaration of Independence was pretty clear as to what they were going for for people, right? It says, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, right? That's from the preamble of the Declaration of Independence. And while these principles didn't always provide safety for everyone, especially the marginalized for black people, brown people, Asian people, and women, we should at this point be able to look back and see our mistakes and to see that this really does apply to everyone. We all have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But this isn't my only argument for your body, your choice. As a Christian, I also believe we are supposed to emulate Jesus. Interestingly enough, the preamble specifically calls this out as well, when it says, endowed by their creator, and that's creator with a capital C. In other words, the U.S. is providing these rights because we understand them to be universal, that, that these rights were literally given to us by God himself, by our creator. And if there's one thing that the Bible makes perfectly clear, it's that God loves his created beings. And the way that he shows us how much he loves us is by giving us the freedom of choice. Sound familiar? My body, my choice. It's up to me if I want to believe in him or not. It's up to me if I choose to listen to him or not. And ultimately, it's up to me if I want to trust him with my life here on earth and with my life after death, whatever happens after I die. So if we were created in God's image and his image is one that grants freedom of choice, doesn't it make sense that we would do the same, that we would allow people to make decisions like this for themselves? Now, up until this point, I haven't even discussed things like types of abortions or reasons for abortions. To me, there are obvious reasons why a woman would need the right to choose an abortion, right? Things like rape, incest, um, medical conditions where the mother could potentially lose her life, things like that. But even if the reasons aren't the ones that we all feel comfortable with, it still all comes back to your body, your choice, the women's freedom to choose. Now, before we leave this section, I just want to paint a picture, a slightly different picture, but one that we should entertain. What would it look like 
if the opposite was under scrutiny, right? If instead of women's rights, it were men's rights. What do I mean by that? Well, let me just throw out two scenarios. Let's start with circumcision. So what would it look like if it was a requirement for a man to be circumcised? Or what if it was the opposite? What if they passed a law that doctors could no longer perform circumcisions? Number two, vasectomies. What would it look like if a man was required to get a vasectomy after having, let's say, two kids? Or the opposite. What if there was a law that passed that men could no longer have a vasectomy? Now, I know those of you who are on one, like way on one side or the other are going to say, dude, you're not even in the right ballpark. This isn't apples to apples because there's no child involved. There's no fetus. But interestingly enough, the vasectomy is related to reproduction, right? The sperm have the building blocks for life. So it isn't a stretch that the government could at some point view a vasectomy as preventing life, which may go against the very idea of pro-life, right? Okay, that's really all I want to say in this section, but we'll touch on that rabbit hole a little bit later in the episode. Number three, separation of church and state. So earlier I said that there were two reasons why I lean pro-choice. The first was the your body, your choice argument. And the second is separation of church and state. Now, just like abortion, there are people on both sides of the separation of church and state debate, right? There are people who believe that the Constitution guarantees the ongoing separation of church and state. And there are others who say that this idea was nothing more than a concept found in a letter written by Thomas Jefferson in 1802, but that it's not actually meant to be taken literally because it's not spelled out that way in the U.S. Constitution. So this is one of those things that you're really going to need to come to a conclusion on for yourself. For me, I've already come to that conclusion. It's not even a question for me anymore. To me, it's just common sense. When I look back at history, history explains any ambiguity that exists for me on the subject. What do I mean by that? Well, let's take a quick trip back to England in the mid-1500s. So England, who did not believe in a separation of church and state, passed an act called the Act of Uniformity in 1559, which made it illegal not to attend official sanctioned state services, religious services by the Church of England. Now, this is something I I read in Wikipedia. I put the link in the notes if you want more information on that. And as this incestuous relationship blossomed, uh, a group of people known as separatists left the church and eventually had to flee to Holland under the threat of persecution. Now, you guessed it, the separatists are also known as Puritans. And we also call them pilgrims, people who left England to find freedom in the new world. Now, you've heard the history teacher's favorite phrase, right? If you forget the past, you're destined to repeat it. And friends, this is not rocket science. Our founding fathers left England because they were experiencing religious persecution, right? They were under a very real threat of fines, imprisonment, and even death 
for their religious beliefs. So they headed off in three boats to find the New World. And that New World that they started, the United States of America, right? Now, we can talk about how inappropriate their behavior was with the Native Americans, all that kind of stuff. 100%, you're right. It was terrible what we did when we came to this country and just assumed it as our own. However, like I said, history will repeat itself if we don't understand what actually happened. So they came to America, they started the new world. And what do you think their main focus was, right? Their main focus was not letting the same thing happen that they had just experienced. So in order to keep that from happening, they created this thing called separation between the church and state so that people would be able to exercise their own personal religious beliefs without the threat of being persecuted, right? It's almost like some people today want to only look forward and pretend that this never happened, right? To go and look at the Constitution and try to say that, no, 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 there's no such thing as separation of church and state. There's no need for that is to completely blindly um, forget the fact that that's how we became a country. That was the whole reason behind people leaving England and coming to America. So let me ask it this way. What is more likely to be true in this scenario? One, that a persecuted group of religious people implemented the separation of church and state in their new country. Or two, that we just somehow misread their intentions and that separation of church and state never actually existed. Again, this is my second reason for leaning pro-choice. Because in this country, the state or the government should not be making laws based on one religious group's belief system. Even if that religious group is mine, or even if that religious group claims to be the same as the founding fathers of our country, Right? It goes against the very thing that the pilgrims set out to escape from when they left England. Now, let's address the elephant in the room, because many of you will say that enacting a law regarding abortion is no more religious than the laws we have regarding murder or stealing, right? And on some level, you would be right. In fact, both of those are found in the Ten Commandments, in the Bible, and you're not going to get very much more religious than that, right? And if murder is a law on our books, then the murder of a fetus, if you believe that a fetus is a living being, should be the same thing, right? Only here's the problem. That's where things get really sticky, you see? Because nobody argues or debates what murder is when it comes to two living, breathing people. If I walk over to you and shoot you to death, that's murder. And nobody... Christian, non-Christian, atheist, etc., nobody is going to argue that point. In fact, I would suggest that murder is outlawed in almost every country in the world, no matter how spiritual the country. Why? Because there's just something inside of us that believes murder is wrong. Taking something that isn't yours is wrong. But when it comes to abortion, it's not that simple. Because we don't have that unanimous belief that it's wrong, right? When it comes right down to it, the people who are against abortion are typically part of a very specific religious group 
or religious ideation, suggesting that it is a religious belief. And if a religious belief from one small group becomes the law of the land, then it will always infringe on the freedoms of somebody who is not part of that religious belief system, thus going against the whole intent of the separation of church and state. Now, I don't want to spend a lot of time here, but it is important to understand that Roe v. Wade is not the real issue. Abortion is not the real issue. Yes, by overturning it, a huge number of the citizens of this country are going to lose a freedom that should not be lost. In fact, polls suggest that nearly 80% of the citizens of the United States believe that a woman should have the right to choose. I mean, that's a massive majority. But like I said, at the end of the day, abortion isn't the real issue uh, with the whole Roe v. Wade thing. It's not the pot of gold waiting at the end of the rainbow. The conservative right is not looking at this as winning the game. Because what we're finding is that Roe v. Wade had something to do with abortion, but it had a lot more to do with privacy. And so when you start looking at the protections that Roe v. Wade made provision for, you start to realize that abortion was just one small little piece that was extrapolated from that decision. But it included a whole lot of other things that are now up for debate. So it's just a foot in the door, so to speak, and it sets the precedent for a host of other rights that could potentially be taken away. So what's next? Well, here are two of the things that could just easily be attacked next. So the protection of privacy when it comes to same-sex marriage and the, um, the privacy with regard to contraception. Interesting, right? Contraceptives. Remember the whole vasectomy illustration we talked through? Like I said, this could literally become a thing. But again, for me, it isn't so much about each separate decision because I may actually lean toward the right on some of those issues. But for me, it's not about the specific decision. It's about maintaining the separation of church and state. Because all of these things are religious in nature, meaning that laws will be put into place by a government where a specific religious group is represented. And all of those not within that specific religious group are going to have their freedom of choice removed from them. Right back to where we started, right? England in the 1500s. And don't think that it'll just end with these three religious beliefs, right? If this is a train that starts rolling downhill, it will become easier and easier and easier to pass laws that have a religious taint to them. Laws that are strongly held by a specific religious group. And which religious group is it, right? Which religious group gets to be the one making those decisions? Well, of course, it's the one that's in power. So pick your poison. But for me, uh, a few years from now, who knows how many years, but for me, I can definitely see a scenario like this playing itself out. So let's say 10 years from now, we've had many laws passed that kind of break that barrier of the separation of church and state. Citizens in this country, while they may not agree with it, will probably just get to the point where they're like, well, it is what it is. Life goes on. 
people stop fighting against this movement in the direction of a controlling religious power. And then at some point, let's say that there's a crisis, right? Maybe it's a domestic or even a global tragedy. Maybe it's another pandemic, or maybe it's a continued version of the pandemic we just went through. Or maybe the earth reaches a point where it just gives up the ghost and we're overrun with natural disasters due to global warming and the way we've harmed our environment. Whatever the case, this ruling religious group finds someone to blame, right? Maybe it blames it on all of us, right? It's because we took so long to reverse Roe v. Wade. Or maybe it's because we allowed people to run wild in our country uh, without being law-abiding citizens and, and holding to a strict moral code. And really, the only way to fix this problem is to tighten things up, to just pass a few more laws that help us get back to God. Does that sound familiar? Kind of like, you must attend services at the Church of England under penalty of fines, imprisonment, or possibly death. Because we all need to get back to God, right? And it's obvious that we, meaning you, aren't trying hard enough. And there you have it. Just one scenario that seems all too relevant right now. On the surface, it might seem like a good thing, right? Getting back to God and all. And I'm sure there are many people in the ruling religious group who believe that it's their destiny to make the world a better place by forcing their religious agenda on everyone else. But the problem is, whose God are we getting back to? What religious group services will we need to attend? And on what day of the week will we be required to worship? Is it the Bible we're going to worship? Is it the Torah? Is it the Quran? See how getting rid of the separation of church and state makes all of this possible? Because without it, one group, the group with enough power, has the ability to control people who do not hold the same beliefs. This is the type of the world the pilgrims left behind. And it's the same world that we seem to be heading toward. It's as if we've done a 180 and we are just heading backward as fast as possible. If you forget the past, you're destined to repeat it. Number four, silence is complicity. So I've spent a lot of my life in silence. Like I said, it's just easier. It's less awkward. It's less uncomfortable. When you stay out of things, you can kind of pretend like everything's okay. You can ignore the things going on around you. You can choose to keep your mouth closed so that people won't judge you. All that good stuff. But as we've come to see over the past few years, silence is complicity, right? When bad things or wrong things are happening and we don't do anything or we don't say anything, we become part of the problem. We become enablers. We just allow it to happen, even though we don't endorse it. In essence, we endorse them by default. Now, this is true with racism, sexism, ageism, and yes, the government trying to do away with the separation of church and state. For me, this is tough because I'm an introvert and I'm a person that doesn't want to rock the boat, right? It's hard to stand up and become a lightning rod by speaking out about things. So there are things that we can do that aren't in the public eye. Most importantly, we can do research. We can educate ourselves so that we're informed. And then we can vote so that our voices are heard and hopefully they're reflected in the government that we elect. But this was a massive step for me, releasing a podcast episode, right? It's so not me. But at the same time, it's all of me. It's every fiber of my being spoken into a microphone 
recorded on my little MacBook Pro, and eventually uploaded to the cloud for everyone to hear. So I'm nervous. But at the same time, I really feel good about this. I feel empowered. I feel like this is something that other people are needing to hear at this time in our Earth's history. So let's land the plane. This week, I don't have any questions for you. I simply ask you to digest this information and then come up with your own conclusions. And this week, come up with your own questions, right? Do your own research, draw your own conclusions as as best you can based on the information you have. Friends, I truly believe that we're heading into a season of life where this polarization thing isn't just going to go away. And in fact, it's going to morph. It's not just going to be between two political parties or between liberals and conservatives in terms of political thinking. I believe there's literally going to be a polarization between people grasping for power and control and those who are releasing control and loving those around them without filters, without requirements, simply because we understand that God loves all of his kids. Thank you so much for sticking with me through this entire thing. I love you all. I want what's best for each and every one of you. To wrap things up, um, I don't think I'm going to tell you what the topic is for next week. After this week, who knows what that might be about. But don't worry, at some point we will get back to transcending the dark. Who knows, maybe in October, maybe around Halloween. But until then, everyone, have a great week. Be true to yourself and let your conscience be your guide. And as always, keep transcending human. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Transcend Human podcast. If you're interested in the show notes for this episode, head on over to transcendhuman.com forward slash podcast and navigate to the episode you're looking for. On the website, you'll also find blog posts, podcast series, and other helpful resources to help you navigate the Transcend Human ecosystem. You'll also find links to our social media channels, and as always, if you have questions, feel free to contact us at info at transcendhuman.com. Have a great week, everyone, and we'll see you back here on Monday morning.